This episode is brought to you by Podcast Assist, offering voiceovers, audio editing and mastering, transcriptions and show notes, episode summaries, and even hosting a podcast on a topic important to you. Visit Facebook.com slash Podcast Assist for more info on their flat $30 per hour rate. Subscribe with iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. And if you enjoy what you hear, like us on Facebook. Also, consider throwing a little cash our way by visiting patreon.com slash koreafm. And find more of our great content on our home on the web, koreafm.net. Recently, a popular news website that brands itself as showing Korea as it really is, published two pieces related to South Korean feminism and a controversial online community that has divided Korean netizens as to what are appropriate ways for activists to engage in gender equality discussions. I spoke with the writers of the two articles, including the New York Times writer and professor who created the site. My name is Seon Koo. I am the managing editor of Korea Exposé. I have taught Korean studies at several different schools, including Yale and Iwa University here in Korea. So we're speaking because you recently wrote about feminism here in South Korea having to do with um, another connected post by another author who I'll actually be speaking with a little later today. And you wrote that uh, it's shaping up to be a significant year for South Korea's fledgling feminism. So what exactly has happened that makes it so significant? I think in the last several years we have seen really this um, feeling of hostility between the the male gender and the female gender expressed in various ways. Uh, And and that tension has built up to such a point that this year we have seen two very significant cases, one involving the um, attack on a woman, attack on murder of a woman near Gangnam Station, and also this uh, so-called T-shirt controversy or Gamergate, which showed... uh, uh, which featured a voice actress who basically lost uh, work because of a T-shirt that she was wearing that seemed to express support for a feminist online organization. And um, and I think just the fact that we have this incredible debate taking place over the state of gender equality in Korea is quite interesting to watch. And so we're talking now specifically about that T-shirt controversy, and there's an online community, online organization, and it uses a specific technique. So who exactly, what exactly are we talking about? Right. So just to briefly explain, the T-shirt in question had a, had a phrase on the front. It said, um, girls do not need a prince. And, and this was produced by an organization called Megalia 4 which only exists on Facebook today. Um, It has its origin in uh, what used to be a larger community called Megalia. And Megalia has been very controversial in Korea because it uses something called mirroring. They say that in order to show men the, the problems that exist in the kind of language men use to describe or denigrate women, uh, they need to use the same language to go after men as well. Right. So, for example, um, I think some people may be aware that um, we have this word in Korea, kimchi woman, which is often used by um, male Internet users to talk about Korean women as uh, genetically wired to be entitled. Um, and then the, the Megalia users would call the Korean men Hannamchung or the all Korean men are parasites or something. So, so they're both really going after each other 
in terms of their gender and how that gender itself is very problematic in uh, allowing certain people, whether it be men or women, to engage in very problematic behavior. And then through this mirroring, you wrote that, quote, the site has successfully promoted women's rights in some cases, but members have also been accused of attacking other marginalized communities. And so that's an issue at play here. Uh, Who would you say they've helped? And then who could they uh, be said to have attacked? And what were they doing in that case? Well, I just want to clarify that um, in these cases, mirroring does not always play a prominent role. Um, that said, some of the things that Magali has done is to really highlight the problems with a particular feature that was carried by a magazine called Maxim. Um, this was quite famous case. Uh, their cover showed uh, a woman's legs uh, protruding from inside of a car trunk. And, and next to her was standing this uh, actor who is known for playing rather violent, uh, you know, uh, almost evil characters in movies so so they talked about how much this uh, is an indication of misogyny in south korea and and they really succeeded in bringing enough attention to the problem that the the magazine had to eventually apologize uh in other cases it has also gone after a website that was known for circulating uh, uh secret video recordings and revenge pornography and also child pornography Um, Now that particular site has been shut down. Uh, What has been unfortunate is um, they have also been caught making, and when I say they, I mean some members have been caught making denigrating comments about uh, minorities such as um, gay men and also disabled people solely based on the fact that these two are men. So so they, in their point of view, even people who may suffer discrimination in Korea, uh, because they are male, uh, they are perhaps predisposed to engage in reprehensible behaviors against women. And these things need to be pointed out and criticized and ridiculed using very uh, trenchant language. And so these criticisms that you just mentioned um, by, once again, as you pointed out, some members of this online community, you kind of mentioned how that opened up the defenders of women's rights here in South Korea to attacks. How exactly does that happen? So this is a difficult issue because um, Magalia, well, I mean, it's basically anonymous. We don't know who these people are. It also makes it difficult to track what percentage of the membership really subscribe to these uh, more radical or antisocial views. Um, That said, uh, many people who are opposed to Megalia or feminism in general have pointed to these uh, controversies as indications that uh, if you look deep down what Megalia is doing and to some extent what feminists are doing is to, to basically go after men um, in a very irrational way, because men, they think that men are simply, um, Korean men are simply, um, well, as I use the same expression I used earlier, genetically disp- predisposed toward being uh, heinous toward women. And then let's go back to um, kind of 
not necessarily what started this, because obviously there's many different things that you've already pointed out, but something that is uh, still ongoing, and we'll get to that uh, in a little bit more. But let's talk about a little bit more of the details around what you've already mentioned, this Gamergate of South Korea that was uh, dubbed by NPR for what we're talking about here, this voice actress. What exactly were the circumstances of her situation? So she bought this T-shirt that said, um, girls do not need a prince. And she wore it and she took a photo of herself and she uh, tweeted it. And, and that caused an enormous backlash saying that she must be secretly a supporter of Megalia because the T-shirt was uh, produced and sold by Megalia for that Facebook-based uh, offshoot of the same website. Um, so... Uh, there were protests and also uh, complaints against her. The fact that she um, records a voice for characters uh, in games made her particularly vulnerable since uh, many game consumers are male. So ultimately, um, in the beginning, there were reports that she had been fired by this big game company called Nexon. But later, she actually issued an apology slash uh, explanation saying that um, she was paid for all the work she had done. However, um, the company and she have decided amicably to, to part ways, given the controversy that's taking place. And then for that apology in this piece entitled In Defense of Feminism for the Korea Exposé, you wrote that you don't blame her, but you do feel a small tinge of regret at this apology and the sheer amount of vitriol now aimed at feminism in general. And you also talked about how understanding why some women uh, here in South Korea have become, quote, militant in their judgment of South Korean men. So could you expand on that a little bit? Okay, well... um I think um, she herself makes a distinction in her apology that she supports feminism, um, but she didn't know enough about the organization that produced the T-shirt. So she made an uninformed uh, decision to wear and publicize it, which was her downfall. Um, That said, I think um, there are attempts here increasingly to conflate feminism at large with Megalia, so that um, now there is, um, uh, it's an easy way to discredit anybody who tries to defend women's rights or fight for women's rights as uh, someone who is secretly a man-hater, especially if that person is a woman. And and to say that somebody is, uh, oh, you must be Megalian, has become a rather easy way to I guess, smear people and also to dissuade them from continuing their work. Um, The reason I feel regret at what is happening today is um, I can see why women would be so angry and and women want to use the kind of techniques that men have used to denigrate women. Um, I mean, this is not a new thing. Megalia is new, but if you look at the sheer amount of language that targets women for their gender in South Korea, uh, culturally, socially, politically, I think um, I think there are more than enough grounds to believe that uh, women should be angry and and try to do something about it. Unfortunately, in Korea, the whole notion of feminism itself has been seen as something rather maybe on the fringe or or distasteful. And, and it certainly wasn't, I think, taken seriously enough to have 
um, an impact on the way South Korea is operating. Now, what these communities like Megalia has done with mirroring is that it has really brought feminism to the forefront of people's consciousness. And, um, and for that, they do deserve credit. The fact that there are so many people who are attacking Megalia or mirroring or feminism, it is because this technique has been successful. And then this smearing that you just mentioned, you kind of um, make the case that it's a newer version of Jongbuk. Could you talk about the history of that term? Okay, so in, in Korea, um, the word Jongbuk is a rather common one. Um, it literally means to, to be sympathetic to or to follow North Korea. So this is a word that is often used by conservative media and politicians to discredit uh, progressives, whether that be politicians or activists. Uh, let's say you pursue any kind of policy that goes against the conservative agenda, such as uh, the Chebol monopoly or the, the lack of uh, safety regulations. Um, then they will just say, oh, you are leftist, you must be Jongbuk. And that kind of has an effect of shutting down the debate. Uh, and it has been a very effective label in Korea, be- precisely because we're still facing this uh, um, threat in the north. And also Korea has um, placed a great emphasis on anti-communism for many, many years. Um, now I see that this label, um, or to say some, somebody is Megalian, that really has... Uh, is being used in a similar way to the way Jongbuk has been used. It shuts down the debate. It shames people who are interested in feminism, but not necessarily approving of mirroring or any kind of radical strategies against undermining patriarchy. I guess now to look on the other side of the coin, um, what are your thoughts regarding the opponents of uh, this organization or women's rights in South Korea in general? Um, In your article, In Defense of Feminism, as it was called, you wrote the quote, men have taken to calling themselves victims in this gender war. I assume you don't agree with that. Well, I don't agree with that because I don't see men as victims of uh, pervasive gender discrimination in Korea. Uh, I also <laughs> wanted to highlight this precisely because uh, self-victimization is a very effective technique in Korea when it comes to claiming any kind of uh, moral authority and also uh, power to shape things um, in the discourse. To give you an example, um, the Korea has uh, consistently emphasized the, the colonial legacy, right? the colonial rule uh, in the first half of 20th century. And, and this is also a similar technique that is used to, to, um, to uh, con- confer on South Korea a uh, kind of a moral authority that allows it to challenge Japan and, and also to make its own assertions on the international stage. Um, I think with Chongbuk too, there is a sense of victimization meaning that South Korea is constantly uh, suffering incursions or attacks or threats from North Korea. Therefore, we must defend it at all costs, even if it means um, we perhaps take nuances out of this conversation. And um, and coming to this uh, latest uh, debate on feminism, 
I think uh, what men are doing rather successfully, if you ask me, is to say, you say you're victims, but in fact, we are the victims in this changing society. Uh, therefore, and, and the fact that you have shown yourself to be this hate organization proves that we are victims. Therefore, we are going to take charge of the situation and go after you. Um, I think that is an interesting thing to look at uh, because it has parallels with other cases in Korea. Along these lines, uh, there's one specific thing that you wrote that I want to also ask about before we move on to uh, our final questions. Um, and I just want to point out, you know, as an American male living here in South Korea, I have uh, many female friends who have talked about some of the things that you've just mentioned. I also agree with you pretty much uh, on everything that you've just mentioned. I think that it's very difficult for women here in South Korea. But you wrote that men may suffer discrimination, but certainly almost never because of their gender, unlike women. And I just want to point that out and ask you about it, because as someone who does a lot of reporting here in South Korea, when I talk to Korean men, they will often tell me I am discriminated against as a man because I have to serve, you know, in the Korean army. Uh, My girlfriend's Korean. Her brother had to serve, I think, more than two years. Um, His service was extended just because based on his job. And he will often tell me, you know, those were two years of my life that I lost. And he sometimes will make fun of his sister, who's my girlfriend, and her older sister who did not have to serve. So what do you think about that um, maybe as kind of a criticism of what you wrote that men, I think obviously in at least one way, are discriminated against in South Korea based on their gender? So I'm familiar with this argument made by men. And since I am, I, I have to say this line of reasoning did not really surface until recently. Um, one one factor is in the 90s, um, people who served in the military used to receive bonus points when they applied to become public servants or to work for um, state-owned companies. Uh, those points were taken away in the 90s, and one group that played a crucial role in this was um, people, students, and faculty affiliated with Ihua Women's University. So there's a sense that women have played a role in taking away part of men's privilege. But at the same time, the debate also did not really surface until we had another issue, namely the uh, declining uh, birth rate. So in Korea, you have to understand that going to serve in the military has always been seen as a male prerogative. Um, It is, yes, it's an obligation, but also it's privilege of men to be able to Um, to serve for two years. Uh, In return, what women were required to do was to uh, get married and have children. So so as long as these both things were functioning correctly, um, there was no issue with women not serving in the military. What has happened is now the birth rate is declining and, and men are accusing women of not doing their female duty. But women are not legally obligated to have children, whereas men are obligated to go serve in the military. So now there's a sense of disparity. So so men have demanded that women too should serve, if not as uh, soldiers, then as some kind of social workers for two years. I think this is a legitimate argument that should be explored. But if men are so intent on seeing women shoulder the same burden of military service that men do, then are men interested in sharing the burden that women have when it comes to uh, child rearing? 
and just 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 to <laughs> add something to that, um, I would say no. Um, I've done reports on actual things like uh, how much time men spend here in Korea, men spend with their children, or men spend doing housework. It's very low in South Korea. Right. So I think there's something hypocritical about this line of uh, this this argument. Um, okay, so we can open up the debate and talk about perhaps women doing military or quasi-military service, then we need to also expand the debate on what kind of um, role that men should play in the household. But obviously, this is something that men are not interested in pursuing. So so I think um, uh, saying this is discrimination is a little problematic, to say the least. And um, And if they are really ultimately angry about this, then... Uh, why don't we also talk about maybe abolishing the military? Somehow, strange for me to hear all these complaints when uh, and and these attempts to place all of the responsibility on women, while not really tackling what is so problematic with the the system as a whole. Uh, let me just add one thing. So a lot of male students were angry about not getting bonus points. They want this is the bonus points to be reintroduced. Um, after our teaching in universities, I can say that even before serving in the military, female students are by far better than, than male students in classrooms. Um, they get better grades. They are um, harder working in general. And, um, and I think we now see this reflected in various figures, such as um, women's uh, uh, the percentage of women in the the college education system. So so I think um, aside from the military issue, if they really want to be successful and overtake women, I think they also need to work harder because women work very hard in this country. Yeah, and then of course uh, a, a very unfortunate aspect of that is that despite all of the things that you just said about women working hard and doing very well in college, when you look at the amount of management uh, women in management here in South Korea or CEOs, obviously lower than men. So, um, yeah, lots of different things at play here. So final question before we wrap things up, um, with all the things that are going on with Megalia and, um, you know, the shaming, if you will, of people that are associated with that or feminism in general, uh, how are feminists trying to distance themselves from this organization? And do you think that they'll be successful in that effort? Well, um, I think a lot of prominent feminists have spoken out on this and, um, and one way has been to say that, listen, uh, Megalia is something fundamentally different from feminism. Um, it, it certainly shares many features with feminism, but, but it cannot be uh, necessarily put in the same category. Um, I think this, um, another argument perhaps makes more sense to me, which is that uh, in Korea, South feminism is still in its uh, kind of infancy. It has been around for a long time, but it certainly never enjoyed very widespread backing in society. So, so as it begins to evolve, uh, it is bound to go through a stage uh, like Megalia, where um, you will see a lot of anger being expressed, um, perhaps using some very problematic, politically incorrect language. Um, but ultimately, the, the goal for, I think, any feminists and perhaps even people who are in communities like Megalia is to transcend that and, and become a more coherent and um, socially powerful force.
And then finally, um, in your piece, you asked something that I thought was very powerful, and I would just like you to kind of just give a simple and short answer. You asked, so what exactly is problematic with saying girls do not need a prince in South Korea? Um, that doesn't seem like a, such a horrible statement to make. So what's wrong with that? Well, there's something wrong with it if men do want to be princes. <laughs> that is my simple and short answer. Um, a lot of people have made a big deal out of how this f- phrase is, has the backing of Megalia and, 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 and they point to this fact as the problem behind the t-shirt. I mean, I think that is just a flimsy excuse. Um, they don't like the sentiment. Uh, in, in South Korea, you cannot really say girls do not need a prince because a lot of men aspire to be a, a prince. They want all the privileges they have enjoyed so far, and they they are worried that these privileges are slipping away. I also spoke with a Korean writer who recently republished her work on Korea Expose, detailing the rise and fall of the Megalian online community, who has chosen to not use her real name due to fear of backlash. I'm Emily Singh, and this is obviously not my real name because I'm Korean. But uh, I'm using this name because, as I will talk about later, for security reasons. And I currently live in the Netherlands, and I study political science. So, Emily, great to be speaking with you on this topic. And the reason that we are talking is because you wrote originally for RealKoreans.com, but it also appeared on the Korea Expose, something titled uh, Megalia, South Korean feminism marshals the power of the internet. And so first off, could you just describe a little bit more, why do you use that pseudonym when you're writing online? Is it specifically for this article or um, is it for anything that you write along the subject? So first, when I started blogging, I started blogging in Korean and there I don't hide my identity as much as I do on this website in English on Real Koreans. And I was actually advised by close friends to start using a pseudonym when I wanted to start writing about more controversial topics like feminism and gender equality in South Korea, because there are several incidents where not only women, but also men whose identity online was really scourged and they found out their Facebook accounts and hacked them or several incidents where their addresses have been revealed and have been threatened, sometimes with death for things they wrote about. So I thought, well, let's just avoid this, just nip it in the bud and never have to deal with it in the future. So yeah, that is why I'm using a pseudonym. And it's really a very random name. You won't be able to find my real identity through it normally. And it's interesting because this website that we're going to be talking about, this online community, which has kind of gone through different phases as we'll get to now, it's mostly just on Facebook and it's kind of um, the users have dispersed to other communities. But this website that we're talking about, Megalian.com, let's talk about that, how it was founded, um, what does the name mean, um, and talk about what you describe. Um, it's kind of like a, a way to use feminism using the power of the internet. So Megalia was founded last year. Uh, I think it was around June. If I, yeah, it was around June last year, and it actually started on a web for a web forum, a thread about um, the MERS virus, the Middle Eastern virus that started that was really rampant in Middle Eastern countries and that also spread to South Korea a little bit. And it's completely irrelevant. But somehow in this forum about this virus, there was some criticism about 
misogynic comments, and women started using satire, and they decided that they would create a web, new website using the name of this MERS virus, and uh, brand and uh, and Igalia's daughters from Gerd Brandenburg's book. So that comes from Igalia and MERS together, so that became Igalia. And then uh, as you're anonymous, as you write about it, the users on this website, they're also anonymous. Right, that's correct. And so how is that different than uh, other Korean portal websites? I know specifically here in Korea, that's often not the case. Yeah, often in Korea, people do have to identify their national security number in order to join websites such as Naver or Taum. However, people do find that sometimes this can be a problem for freedom of speech because they can later be reprimanded for things they've said. I'm not saying reprimanded by the government, but socially or, for example, and their identities can be found, backtracked. And they really knew, I think, from the beginning that Megalia would come with a lot of controversy and they wanted to make sure they could protect their users. So, for example, I know that the way website servers are also based abroad and they have several layers of protection. So sometimes the servers go down easily because of those layers of protection. And, yeah, you have to compromise a little bit between security and speed, I guess. And then so on this online community, uh, your write-up, once again, for realkoreans.com, which also um, was featured on Korean uh, Korea Expose, you wrote that satire and humor culminated in the creation of a Megalian dictionary as well as the parody of popular South Korean comic. Um, so let's talk about those two items and also go through some of the popular vocabulary and expressions that you wrote about. Yes, that was, um, I think that, I personally think that that is the real strength of Megalia, the the power of words and humor that they're using and that they used to use because Megalia is really no longer active. And um, as you can see from the logo of Megalia, there are several several opinions about what how this logo was created in the beginning. Because, for example, I wasn't there when the community was first created, so I can only guess from posts that other users have made. And they're saying that, well, this... It's um, for users who can't see this image right now. It's the logo of Megalia is uh, a hand trying to measure something. And people have said, well, they're just saying that Korean men's penises are really small just to mock their physique because that's what Korean men do to women all the time with women's breasts or women's behinds or in general their bodies. So that's how the logo came to be. I think that's a really good example of how satire works and humor works because people created words. There's one version of a dictionary that they created using the Chinese classic character for man. And they used it to make fun of the things that men have done in Korea to women historically, such as, you know, abortion. So they made fun of the fact that Girls simply weren't born because they were girls until until the 90s. So they made little characters based on that. And they created new Chinese letters using those using the symbol of the male, of the man, in classic characters. And the comic, so this is a um, children's comic book that teaches them Chinese, classical Chinese letters. And instead of teaching them the basic letters, which are, you know, earth, sky, man, woman, things like that, they just use the character of man. And they created a kind of dictionary, a kind of alphabet using things that men do and about misogynic things that happen to women. 
And then something that's interesting about this uh, this community is that not only, if you will, is it a way for women, um, you know, my own terms, but it seems like you know, as a way for women to, to fight back against oppression from men in this country, there have been other people that have also been criticized, including other women. Could you talk about that? So Megalia defines, kind of categorizes women a little bit in the sense that they're trying to understand why women are the way they are in South Korea. And the really important term that I should talk about is corset, is the idea of the corset. So it is assumed that every woman in South Korea is corseted, which means, you know, they're wearing this corset that they had in the Middle Ages in Europe. And it's a kind of self-reinforcement mechanism, and it makes them they have to do this because I'm a woman. Maybe maybe they think I'm a woman in South Korea. Maybe they just think, well, I have to do it because I'm a woman. And they call women who are free from those ideas, who maybe became feminist or maybe started thinking differently as um, uncorseted, like free from the corset. So they're free to think whatever they like about themselves. And there is a new group of women, which they call them... Uh, I don't know if I should say, penis emeritus. So these are women who are generally older. So let's say um, some people in some women in their 40s or 50s who think like regular Korean straight men. So who kind of reinforce those ideas on other women. So it could be a mother who says to their daughter, oh, don't wear their skirt because that's slutty. Or women, or women who would say to other women who are let's say wearing Chanel goods and say, oh, you know, this woman is, is, she's a bad woman because she's wasting our money and she's so vain when it's actually none of their business. And then in addition to everything we've already described about this online community, the, um, there's also been feminist campaigns that have been backed, including even going so far as crowdfunding, raising money. So what are some of those campaigns that have come out of uh, Megalia? The biggest crowdfunding campaign that came out of Megalia is, I think, the hidden camera campaign. And there is this kind of, um, well, um, it's a website that's been taken down, Soranet. It's a pornographic website that was for about 15 years or longer the biggest pornographic website in South Korea. And the problem with it was that they had a lot of hidden camera videos, so women whose videos were taken without consent, either in pornography or even videos women using toilet. So there are a lot of those types of videos. And Megalia campaigned, and their poster actually says, don't take those videos. And they made a kind of pun instead of saying, don't, instead of talking to women and saying, don't be featured in those videos, they said, don't take those videos to the men. And they placed those advertisements in the subway in South Korea. And some of them, I think, were taken down later due to complaints from citizens, which I assume were unhappy men or, yeah. So that was a big campaign they had. And of course, um, I think now you must also be thinking about the T-shirt campaign against um, that was that caused controversy in Nexon, but that is actually not directly related to Megalia because it's not under Megalia's name. Yeah, that was actually something that I, I spoke with a lot um, with Sewon Goose. And you're right, it's it, she bought it from them, so it wasn't necessarily connected to them. So a good difference to make. 
And so now let's talk about some of the other contra- uh, controversies from uh, Megalia, this online community outside of women's rights. And you say that led to a mass exodus of its users um, to two different groups eventually. But what was this? Uh, what was this controversy? What happened that kind of, um, if you will, tore this community apart? So what happened is there was a discussion on whether Megalia would support support gay men's rights. They always supported gay women's rights and lesbian women's rights and transgender women's rights, but they discussed on whether they should also extend this to gay men, and they decided that it wasn't their problem, which for me is a little bit of a pity because it's always nice for movements to work together and to cooperate and to maybe not cooperate, but to be friendly towards each other. But um, a lot of users on Megalia started saying negative things towards gay men. And I think there was even a case where they outed gay men who had married straight Korean women because they wanted to protect those Korean women who were married to gay men and didn't know about it. And in the end, the administrators of the website ruled that they would support gay men's rights and that you wouldn't be able to use derogatory terms against gay men. And that really disappointed a lot of users. So they've decided to leave and create a new website. But so far, no new website has been created. And they're sort of gathered in several different forums on the web, on the South Korean web. But there isn't an alternative to Megalia, where there are as many users as it used to have. And then at the same time, while this was happening, um, and uh, you said they went a couple different places, I, I think in the article you mentioned two specific ones, um, there's also this issue of, if you will, trolling. So either someone who disagrees um, with what's being said in the online community um, who is a woman or a, someone who comes in and pretends to be a woman who's actually a man. And this became a problem because it was anonymous, so it's not easy to you know, hold people accountable for how they represent themselves. So that was an issue of Megalia and right now Weko, which is another Korean website that targets female users. Because they're anonymous, there is no mechanism to verify whether the users are male or female. And now there are two alternative forums on town to uh, Megalia called Womad and Ladism. And how they work is they require if I remember, not all users, but most users who want to have more access to the website to post a photo of them with their national ID, but only hiding most of the digits except for the first letter, which in Korea represents your gender. So that could be a one or a two. So they do know that there are a lot of uh, issues with trolling and especially on Megalia and we're assuming men from Ilbe because when you look at the traffic, they do come from Ilbe. And they used to, you know, write things that were really not what we wanted. And yeah, there was an issue. I was, uh, one night I was monitoring the website of Megalia to see what was happening. And there was just one user who just posted like tens, dozens of posts that didn't have any content on them just to troll us. 
Obviously, there's a lot more that could be said. If someone wants more information, they can check out both your article and Sewangu's article on the Korea Expose website. Um, but since uh, Megalia has, if you will, sort of disbanded, and then you've already talked about how there's two um, other communities where a lot of the users have gone to, as well as other options that can be used, um, where do you think this might go in the future? Do you think something might rise up to kind of take the place of Megalia, but in a different way that might try to solve some of the problems? that happened in the past? Um, or do you think that maybe this was, you know, a moment in time with so much energy, maybe something might not be able to, you know, become that popular in the future? How do you see this playing out? Um, there was a great momentum in Megalia because that was really the first movement that gained media attention and so many women joined the website and were active. And it was the first time that women really became generally, I would say the general public really became to notice feminism. As whereas before there were small feminist movements who were more academic and they didn't get as much attention from users because they were so theoretical and difficult to approach. And um, that's what I, I also thought that WOMAD would be an alternative to Megalia and they would continue sort of the movements that they were doing and the crowdfunding activities. And WOMAD does support crowdfunding activities at the moment, if I remember correctly. But it has split into several factions. There isn't just WOMAD and ladiesism, but there are smaller cafes and forums, which I haven't yet seen because I haven't had the time. But I think it is, um, it is important that it did start this movement. And even if it's smaller in pieces, and now there are people uh, who've organized factions depending on their personal opinions, I think it is also okay for people to work in smaller groups and maybe they cooperate with each other. And then finally, Emily, uh, before we go, could you just talk about what has it been like for you after writing this specific article? Um, once again, first for your website, but then it appeared recently on the Korea Expose. So I told you that I'm using a pseudonym and that was a very smart move because as soon, really just I think the day after, two days after it was published on Korea Expose, uh, my article was cited on dcinside.com which is a website where people exchange a lot of information. It's a little bit like 4chan. They sent the link to my website and said, I'm just translating this word to word. They said, look at what this bitch is doing. <laughs> and there, there used to be a profile photo of me where you can't really see who I am, but if you knew me, you could know that it was me. So they cited this, this article, the Korean feminism, the Megali article, and it was really interesting because they had about six, eight comments, so it wasn't a lot. But they said, oh, look at, she's like, so fucking ugly. That was all they said. <laughs> but that's when I realized that I had made a good choice in sticking to a pseudonym. Because they could have tracked me down somehow, I'm sure. And over the past two weeks since it was published on Korea Expose, I've been getting a lot of traffic originating from Korean website, which isn't the usual case for my blog. And I have a lot of comments. Uh, I have a few comments which I haven't, um, which you can't see on my website because they just started swearing or they started using nonsense. But there are quite a few men who started, they tried to tell me, well, I can see from your blog that since you're writing in English, you're not Korean. So let me tell you about Korea and Megalia. They really tried to teach me. There was one guy like that. I'm assuming it's a guy because he posted under a male name. 
So I get a lot of very weird comments and some people are getting a little bit uh, more constructive with their comments, but most of them are just trolling. I'm Chance Dorlin for KoreaFM.net. This episode is brought to you by Podcast Assist, offering voiceovers, audio editing and mastering, transcriptions and show notes, episode summaries, and even hosting a podcast on a topic important to you. Visit Facebook.com slash Podcast Assist for more info on their flat $30 per hour rate. Talk radio, music, and podcasts from the Korean Peninsula. KoreaFM.net.